This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you I'm can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large, injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. We're deeply concerned, both by the alarming levels of spread and severity, and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. We decided to speak to an expert, one who uh, everybody knows, and just seeing on their take of all this coronavirus bollocks, what's happening within the world of football and sport. Um, like I said, big, uh, that Millwall podcast, welcome to Barney Ruler. How you doing, Barney? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Been a while. Um, I to, I, yeah, well, I have to take issue. I'm definitely not an expert on this. I don't think anyone is. I don't think the experts are experts on this. No. So no. We all just make our own way, aren't we? No, I totally agree with you. But the, the point's what, obviously, I been talking to you briefly and talking about the knock-on effect of closing down stadiums um, might seem small at the moment, but potentially it could have a massive knock-on effect to the world of football. Yeah, it's um, it's hard to know what's going to be the same when we finally get back to this, isn't it? Uh, because clubs, as we know, operate right at the edge of what they can manage at the best of times. They're, they're even, even Premier League clubs certainly championship clubs and definitely everyone below that, they're right in the margins and any interruption to cash flow is an absolute game changer and I just can't see how we're not going to have clubs going to the wall over this without match day revenues. Well, I, I was I was speaking to someone and hopefully I'll be speaking to him later on today um, who's on the insurance side of businesses um, on commercial level and they 
have already started speaking to League One and two clubs who are, should we say, fearful that this will be the end of them. I think they're probably right to be fearful of that. I mean, it's not going to be the end of clubs. Clubs will survive. No one could go bankrupt tomorrow, but the club would not die. It would no. Be a, you know, you know the, the clubs will go on. We had a, we've had survived two world wars where Anfield was bombed to death yep. in, the, in the Second World War. Matt Busby famously went past and said they'll never play football there again. And they seem to be doing all right. I mean, football survives and fans survive, as we know. But in terms of day-to-day running and, and where we are now, it's going to be a huge uh, shift and re-gearing of where everyone is. Um, and nobody knows where this is going to end up. I mean, I've heard we could have, sorry, we could have a whole cricket season could be cancelled. Yeah. Uh, we could be still fighting this next year. Yeah. Uh, sport as a leisure industry has been very profitable, but it's also got huge debts, and it runs at a really high cost. And I, I just don't think anybody has planned for this. I really don't think insurance companies haven't planned for it, other than making sure you know, not going to be able to claim back everything you, you've lost. I mean, they're all insured, but no one's insured for this. No, I mean, the, the guy I was speaking to, he was going on about that there's only really, um, because of the, the way football clubs run, um, player contracts, sponsorships, etc., etc. That potentially they're only looking at being covered for about a quarter of a million pounds. Right, and and also um, what they can claim for is not going to be the stuff that they really lose, which is the stuff all around the games. Uh, nobody knows quite what's going to happen with TV contracts. Um, one of the reasons why clubs be desperate to play these games to to, to play the season out is because they. They'll lose money if they don't. They, they've got, they've got, they've got to try and play these games. Or people can cancel their TV contracts. TV companies can cancel the contract. That, that's one of the reasons why they won't just cancel the season. They'll try and fit this in at some point because at the moment they don't have to refund anyone anything because there's still a possibility games can happen. But the minute that gets cancelled, it's refunds all round, and who has the money to pay for that? No, let's see. I mean, I spoke to someone who was, to, you know, and I raised that question, and I said, you know. Where where do you stand with sponsorship? And and they were well as long as the as long as the season doesn't get um, cancelled, then pretty much the sponsorship agreements we've not breached. But obviously, if the matches get cancelled for the rest of the season and and pretty much the football season ends now, then in all fairness, the the companies who are, who are doing the sponsorship could ask for some money back. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes right up to Champions League, Premier League level. And, oh. and they, they would be entitled to because uh, what they paid for has not happened. I mean, the thing about football is all the money that comes in, up to, in some cases, 70% of that goes out on player wages. Yeah. That is the main cost of all clubs. Um, it's not meant to be that high. I think it's meant to be about 50 or 60%. So, I mean, who's going to take the hit for this? Um, I know players have short careers and they're highly skilled uh, exponents of what they do, but we've seen this before. The players often end up suing clubs that are going to disappear if they get their money. I strongly suspect clubs might be looking into their players' contracts or there'll be some sort of idea about burning wages or something like that because they can't keep paying the players because the club is going to disappear. I mean, We will ruin football. No, totally. I mean, obviously, your past, your past life when you were a lawyer... I mean, most contracts is most contracts have, um, you know, acts of God um, written into them. I just wonder if player contracts have that get out written into them, 
so do the clubs do. But, I mean, you talk about suing. Uh, yeah, possibly players could sue clubs, but I could possibly see clubs suing the FA and the EFL because this isn't a government recommendation yet. This is purely down to EFL and FL and the FA making that decision, um, which possibly could leave them open legally for years' worth of battles. Possibly. I mean, I think the issue is that people who take part in these games have started testing positive for this virus. And once your workforce is infected, you will be able to argue that it's reasonable to shut down the office, I think. Um, particularly when the extent of this virus becomes clear, which I think none of us have really grasped. It moves so quickly, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. think back. I mean, I, I was at this time last week, was it Wednesday? So not even this time last week. Five days ago, I was at Liverpool Atletico Madrid. Yeah. And that, that's when ahead as normal. And I was in the press room with 200 people from Madrid where the schools have all been shut down, all sharing the same food and services and bathrooms. And that was seemed perfectly normal. And look how quickly we've moved on now. Now, we're in the state in this country where we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, people haven't started dying in large numbers. But I strongly suspect that the decision to shut down the leagues because a few players and managers are started testing positive it will seem reasonable in time. Well, I mean, I, I've got uh, a few teacher friends and whatnot, and the rumour is there um, that possibly schools are looking to close as of Friday um, before half term, but basically looking to come back after Easter to give, obviously, um, a lump there. But again, you, you know, in this country at the moment, is, you know, depending where you look, half the people think the government's doing right, half the people think everything in the world should be shut down. I think so far, the, the death rates, etc., seem to be proving that what they're doing seems to be the right way. Um, if you look at Italy, I mean, Italy overnight had another 300-something deaths. I mean, we've not, touched wood so far, we've not had that level of of um, change, but where where do we stand with players' contracts? Because say if you if the players' contract comes up at the end of say end of May or, or when the season ends, yet say the season's delayed by two three months um, because they're talking obviously that Euros is possibly going to be cancelled. What happens then? Are, are players then legally allowed to play for those clubs even though they're no longer on contract with them? Well, you, you can arrange a short term contract. Like there's a way around that. Um, traditionally, like you say, all contracts end at the same time in mid-summer. But we, we can, they can arrange for short-term contracts. Like football is very good at getting around these kind of problems. There are no shortage of agents and lawyers and people who are desperate to make things work. So we'll, we'll get around that problem. I mean, you say there's you, the issue of transfer. Well, we that's, know, I well, that's what I'm saying. Say, for instance, I don't know, say we've got player A who plays for a premiership club and a lower end Premiership club, and he's going to be his contract's up, and he's being looked at by a, a a higher level Premiership club, and wants to play for them. And how's that going to affect the club when really he was contracted to play the games what were delayed, but because he moves on, could possibly affect. I don't know. Let's look. I, I'm no fan of West Ham. Let's use West Ham as a rule. West Ham player or two players suddenly look as if they could go up up a few places with a different club because obviously West Ham was looking, possibly still looking if they could go relegation or one of the lower teams even, and they get a chance to go to a team who's still in the Premiership. Where where where's the leeway on there? I mean, are they are they legally entitled to play for those delayed games with? 
their current club, or can they just move and play the the back end games with their new club? Well, I think that that's something that everyone's going to have to sit down and talk about. If we're extending the season, we'll have to extend when the opportunity to move clubs runs from. So that will all have to be shifted back as well. I mean, obviously, uh, like you say, nobody wants to see West Ham come to any harm. So uh, if that does happen, uh, let's hope they can hang on to their plans. I mean, it was very interesting to see Karen Brady suggesting the season should be cancelled. Uh, obvious self-interest there. And that's what's going to happen now. There's going to be a fight over how this is all divvied up. And everyone will have their own interests. Everyone will talk about fairness. But it will obviously be what's fairest for me. And that's the first shock in that, isn't it? I'm sure West Ham would love to have a season cancelled and this all start again. Uh, but it's not necessarily going to work like that because these games need to be played. No, I agree. I mean, Brighton's CEO has, um, has been fairly honest in all this, isn't he? He's, he's, um, Paul Barber has been quite open and direct with his views on a lot of this. But it is really, it's, un, it's unventured waters, really, isn't it? This has never, ever happened in in the entire life of football, not even during the wars, did this sort of level happen, did it? No, and there was, there was less at stake in those days. I mean, it was much closer to basically being an amateur game. There's, there's so much money tied up in this now. And also the fact that things happen, you get you get relegated, you get promoted, that's, that's a huge thing for everyone connected to the club. Harder to turn around as well. And, and the people are more litigious, people got more money to sue. Um, I, don't, I, I, I mean, there's all sorts of schemes being floated. There's talk about having a playoff to finish the season, yeah. just condensing everything down into a playoff, which fans are quite like, and may get around the sponsorship thing. Yeah. Um, it seems pretty obvious tomorrow we will hear that the Euros has been postponed. I, I, I'm really sure of that. I just can't see how that can possibly happen. The nature of the competition. But that, that, that frees up a spot, obviously, in... Yeah. Um, <coughs> June and July, but I, I don't think we'll be playing in June and July either. I don't see what's going to change there. But at the moment, that's that's projected to be the absolute peak of the virus. Yeah. So if we really you know, are going to have half a million people dying, <clears throat> they're going to be dying in June and July. Now, whether we're going to want to be playing football while that's happening is another matter completely. And, and these conversations may all seem, you know, a little bit by the by by then, is my fear. I have to, I mean, as much as probably the majority of football supporters in the land will probably be grateful if the football season got cancelled and Liverpool didn't win the title. But um, their manager coming out, Klopp coming out and saying what he said is completely two different sides to obviously Brady, um, sort of top and bottom of the Premier League. Um, do you think what he come out with and said is is probably the most gracious thing he, he could have said in the in the current situation? Or is that just him as a person? Klopp is... Um... Klopp's just a really good bloke. Um, he's, he's a funny man, but he, um, he's a part of all this, but he's not really a part of it. Um, to understand him, you probably have to understand that he's, he's very Christian. Right. He, he's a very Christian man. He believes in, not in material things, he believes in, he's a bit, a bit of a lefty as well, a bit of a socialist. Um, and he's basically a very decent man. Even though sport does funny things with him, he'll behave badly now and then. I think, what he says will generally be what he thinks, and and he won't be put under pressure by the club to make these things. I mean, make no mistake, Liverpool are champions of Europe. When it comes down to the club, to the hedge fund that owns that club, they're, they're all about brand visibility. Winning the Premier League is 
it's worth a bit of money, but what that club has done in the last couple of years is where the real money is. They're so profitable now. Um, they're in a really strong place. They can afford to be as gracious as they want, basically. It's clubs lower down that really need to worry about this. Um, but yeah, I believe in Klopp. I think, I think we'll get a decent hearing from him on what should happen. He's a good bloke. I mean, we've heard, obviously, um, through local papers and whatnot, that the entire... Uh, Millwall Football Club has obviously been tested and come back negative, um, which is great news. But do you think maybe all clubs should be looking at getting their players tested? Uh, because they'll obviously have the facilities to be able to do it and the means to be able to do it. Do you think that possibly that's a, a move to go forward? They probably should, but the problem is you can be tested and then get infected half yep. an hour later. Yep. Or, uh, or tested and not showing them, but you actually are infected and you're, you're going to show it. A day later, it's um. I mean, my my personal view on it is that we're all going to get this thing. It's going to run through the population. I think that's happening in other countries. Uh, I actually know someone who's got it at the moment who is self-isolating, and he says it's it's just like having a cold at the minute. Um, but he's relatively young and in decent health. Uh, it's obviously, if you look at the statistics, um, footballers are not are not going to be dying from this virus. What they're going to be doing is transmitting it to other people. Yeah. So. I can understand, I don't really see a point of testing them, I can understand the point of self-isolating and all that stuff. Um, I mean, anyone listening, it's, it's, once you, you're over 60, that's when you want to start thinking. If you look at the stats in Italy, uh, you're looking at point one of people who are infected dying from this yeah. up to that age, and then suddenly it just leaps up. So the, the job of everyone else is to try not to spread it to these people. As they said in Italy, um, you know, why, why are we having to isolate? Well, you'll, you'll kill your grandparents if you don't. I mean, that, that's our job now. Our duty is to look after people uh, who, who are old and vulnerable. So uh, I think that's where all our efforts should be should be turned. I can totally see the point of cancelling football. So, um, I mean, I mean, cancelling football, cancelling the season is obviously a way forward. You spoke briefly at the beginning of, of obviously cricket. I mean, this summer was the controversial 100 tournament. Potentially, that could be the first tournament cancelled before a ball's even been thrown. I mean, do you think that's the right decision, yeah. or do you think it was a wrong decision to even invent that in the first place? Well, I mean, it's a funny thing. It's a ridiculous idea. Um, you've got plenty of decent. You need a new format. But they did it anyway because marketing people like doing things. And they put so much money and effort into this. They've gambled the whole sport against it working. And then for this to happen, it's just, it's the most incredible bad luck. And, and cricket is absolutely screwed if that goes better. I suspect all they'll do is ring fence it and make sure that tournament happens forever. Everything else has to go and hold it. You know, somehow that's got to happen. But again, it's time to happen during the actual peak of this virus. And you just wonder, A, what kind of appetite there's going to be for a game of cricket while that's going on. To be whether they'll legally be able to do it. Cricket's in a real state. They don't have lots of money to chuck around. We're talking um, a million quid to a county cricket club, which a lot of them have been promised under this. A huge amount of money. Yeah, I mean, we, without it. I mean, we spoke before, didn't we? Last year or so, the year before, when, when we obviously when we were working quite closely with um, with the AMS battle, that the local cricket club, the um, about the one at Lewisham, basically, were getting no money and obviously through the Millwall fans we helped out with uh, a donation to them which obviously meant a hell of a lot meant the difference between being able to buy some equipment to get more kids involved and, and not buy more equipment so I mean yeah, yeah no that, that, that 
donation from Millwall fans kept Lewisham cricket going for two years just on its own. They don't, they don't need a lot. Yeah. So that, that was just spilling some badges and some donations. That, you know, the fine margins in so many sports, uh, that, that's kept hundreds of kids playing cricket who never would have done it. No, I mean, what um, would... No, I was just going to say in the, in the description of when I put this podcast out, I'll put um, their web address and whatnot on there. So if there is anyone who, who's into cricket and wants to help them out or anything, they can possibly get in touch and make a donation there, you know, through sponsorship or anything else. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, there's so there's so many things we're going to be needing our help now. I mean, think about every local sports club that runs on volunteers, many of whom are 60 or over, um, and who are now, you know, too vulnerable to be doing that. I just don't see how, I don't know what's going to be left in the end of this country. I think, I think financially, people like UEFA and um, FIFA will be in big trouble if they end up pulling the Euros, because companies will have paid sponsorship money are not going to let that sponsor money go. I mean, I was hearing there's packages for the Olympics around £100 million a package, and, you know, no matter how well your contract's written, a company's not going to let you have £100 million for nothing. Well, the, yeah, the Olympics is in big trouble, because, I mean, the real driver of that is uh, America and American tourism, like basically quite wealthy, uh, aging American people who go to every Olympics and, and sort of peg their life out around them. Those people, whether they're going to want to go is another matter. But how they manage to stage it, I've got no idea. Um, the Olympics in real trouble. Um, and that, that will happen. That may well end up being cancelled uh, rather than postponed because of the sheer complexity of arranging something like that. Mm. Um, and that would be a, a huge blow. I mean, you know, talking about obviously people will follow and all that, I mean, I was going to raise the subjects during this of the lower league clubs, um, but I've seen literally this morning that Dulwich Hamlet now has come out and said that they're going to cease playing football for the foreseeable future. So people who weren't necessarily getting their premiership and maybe championship fix could go to... Uh, the lower league clubs who who desperately need uh, that match day income to survive and and keep going day to day. Um, We talked about League One and Two clubs possibly getting in trouble from this, but we could realistically see lower league clubs like Dulwich Hamlet, who's been through absolute hell over the last couple of years, a bit like, you know, Millwall with local councils and stuff and local developers. Um, This will really impact them in less they get people who crowdfund them, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I mean, I suppose the one thing about clubs like that is the, um, you know, the overhead to is huge. Um, you know, talking impossible amounts of money. But, but yeah, they, they exist to play, and that's where all their revenue comes from. And there's not just master revenues, it's looking after the premises, paying your rent, paying your rates, keeping the pitch going, uh, maintenance, everything uh, has to be paid somehow. And they, they don't have TV money. There's some people coming in through the gates. Uh, it's very difficult. I've seen people saying, um, if you've got a ticket for the ballet or the theatre or whatever, don't get a refund. You know, keep, keep funding them. They, they'll die without you. And I guess the same is true with football. I mean, you want this thing to survive, I guess. Still, don't, you know, you give what you can or you support them in what way you can. I wonder if clubs will find other ways to provide some kind of entertainment or 
some kind of care that we can we can pay for. Because I'm sure people, people out there would still be willing to give Millwall uh, 20 quid a week. It's going to help the club keep going. And same with the damage Hamlet and other clubs. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm doing a survey at the moment. I'll put um, on the on the podcast Twitter account where we're running for a few days where uh, in the product, uh, we put in the probability in a likely event that this current football season becomes null and void, leaving us all at least five home games yet to be played. Would this probably be quite, and this would obviously be quite a financial blow for clubs in particular with refunding season ticket holders. What would you want to do? Would you want a full refund, um, you know, put some money off next year's season ticket or do nothing and not bothered? And at the moment, do nothing, not bothered. It's carrying 47%. Um, off next year's season tickets, forty six percent, so pretty fifty fifty there as such. Those wanting a full refund is seven percent. I mean, that's out of nearly two hundred people at the moment. But I mean, I I honestly wouldn't want the refund because I think that I think I and I've spoken to people, you know, different people within clubs, and I've spoken to people like you and some other people within the football world, and and they've said the same. Is you know, the cash flow is going to be the biggest issue with clubs paying the staff. So the current staff yeah. they've got on contracts, it's pretty much they need all the money they've got to be able to guarantee their wages because I suppose we don't actually think about the day-to-day running of the club and how many people are possibly within that club. I mean, I think I saw it right over the weekend with Brighton when they cancelled the games of the weekend, but Brighton was saying that they have 850 match day staff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, I guess I suppose against that people have their own worries and overheads. Because people who are freelancers or self-employed will be losing money themselves now, and you know, obviously, if you're if you're up against it, you've got to get all the cash in that you can. But beyond that, I think it'd be really nice if if people didn't want to take that refund, if the, the club could do something nice for them in return when this bubble starts. I mean, maybe just hold that debt for future, and when the club can afford it, take it off your season ticket then, or give you some free drinks, or give you some nice I mean, experience the club can give you. Uh, for free, yeah, I mean, just, do you, just to thank me for your loyalty. No, definitely. You remember when, um, when Millwall, I think Millwall went into um, into administration or, or before or just after the administration, they needed some money, so they sold what they classed as the Lions card, which I think was about 250 yeah. quid off, and they gave you so much discount off a season ticket for, for life or for a set amount of time. I think it's life, and then some other people got a certain amount of time, you got a bit off the club shop and all that. Do you think possibly something like that might come back like a, I don't know, like a three-tiered card, you know, like maybe a, a gold card as such or a, or a platinum card yeah. or something comes back and says, look, you know, you buy this, you'll end up to, to put money into the club in, in one hit. Because we don't know, this this could, let, let's look at a worst-case scenario. Football could finish for, probably could be for the best part of a year, potentially, yeah. if it, if it goes, it could. I mean, okay, it's a worst case scenario, and it's probably not going to happen. But we might not get to see football again this year. I mean, yeah, you, you, you've been speaking to the same people I have, and, and you've probably been speaking to a lot of people a lot higher up than than what I've got to and stuff. But at the moment, no one knows an answer, so it could go to the end of the, you know, the end of this year before we kick, before we see another game of football kicked. Quite, quite easily, it could go into next year. Um, Nobody knows quite how horrific this is all going to be. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, we're in totally uncharted water, but now that we've stopped, we have to get to a situation which is more promising than what we've got now, before we can start again. 
uh, and nobody knows when that's going to be. And yeah, people are making plans to go beyond this year, um, which is only sensible. But, but like you, like, like you say, I think anyone who is willing to just leave that money in the club, you're effectively investing in your club with no expectation of anything in return. And yeah, they could give you, they could do something, bring back the Lions card, do something nice for you in return, at least give you a, you know, a certificate to put on your wall saying you bought one share in your wall, that would be nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that would be, I mean, financially or, or technically, I don't know how that would exist, but that would be a way back, especially with most of the clubs, because we are really investors in our, in our clubs by, you know, start of every season, we're, we're investing you know, from lower league, maybe three, four, five hundred pound up to, you know, I think Arsenal, Liverpool, etc. Probably fifteen hundred, two thousand pound a year in in season tickets money, and we're giving them that money at the beginning of the season, um, to say, look, this is how much we like you. We're going to come. We're going to pay in advance because you'd never pay in advance for a lot of other stuff to go to. You wouldn't pay in advance no, to go not, to the cinema, advance. really, would you? Yeah, and you you pay that in a far in advance because there's a high demand. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. But I, I, um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, the fact that you're saying that
would be next to young Hank Hoist in the championship. We haven't got one of those. A sensible bloke who plays the right kind of football. And I think he talks... Really football, he? Sorry, go on. No, go on. Sorry. But I really thought they were going the right way. And, um, and the team is really balanced. And, you know, they, they, they're easier to beat, but they also win more games, which um, I quite like. I agree. I mean, I think that Gary Rowley coming in has given us a plan B and a plan C. Um, I think with Harris that he was possibly um, at the level of his knowledge in that possibly he was too connected to Millwall to an all-out. I mean, look at Rowley when he came in with our game against Charlton, one all, um, one all up, you know, one all. You know, Harris would have probably brought on a few defenders, he brought on strikers and went, you know what, we've got 10 minutes, it's either shit or bust. Either go out and get us a result or, we're, you know, potentially, well, I don't think we can see them scoring, but just go out and get get what you can get and, and it got us the victory. And I think that's good. I mean, the, the Millwall's always the same. We, You know, we do really well against the top clubs. When we're going into a game as an underdog, we'll always do well. But when we go into a team where we think we're going to piss it, that's when we come up, you know, come unstuck. And that's just part and yeah. parcel of history. That's, you know, that's always been the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm, immediately I'm thinking of the Barnes game. Yeah. Which uh, was one of the most sort of depressing ones I've been to in quite a while. Uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to, to, to seeing them again for a while. We, um, just, we just, have to, just have to clear up for, for notice of balance. And obviously, if anyone from... Lewisham Council was listening. You, you're, you're not a Millwall football fan. You are a football fan of of all teams and and the beautiful sport. Oh yeah, I go to a lot of I go to a lot of games. So unlike Lewisham Council, I'm very interested in what's going on locally. So I like to keep up with that. You know, actually, on, on that level, I have to put my hat in and say, Vicky Foxcroft. Actually, I approached her last week for AMS um, over a fan who's got a dime dying parent um, who wanted to get married and she couldn't actually pull strings to be able to get him married which I think is doing but she has offered the team to be able to give him some you know legal guidance legal advice and whatnot because obviously of the financial issues going forward if they're not married so you know hats off to her she she has got in I am going to do another show with her which obviously you're going to get on with the AMS where are we now because she has got some quite controversial thoughts on on the development with social housing stuff. So, so yeah, going forward. But I think well, rather than just slag Lewisham now, I think she's actually come out and put a hat above the parapet and actually done good. But, look, I... Yeah, well, she, I mean, she's obviously, an, she's obviously an MP rather than a member of the, the local yes. council. And, and she's all right. I think, I think she's pretty decent. And actually, to be fair, um, the people who were really hostile to Millwall at Lewisham Council have generally gone now. I mean, yeah. they're not, they're not, they're not wielding any influence. And Damien Egan, the new mayor, has been great. He's been really helpful and he seems like, a, a, to be honest, a fairly straight-up person who you can trust. So I'm really hopeful that that, that relationship will, will carry on being good. It was, it was the old entrenched old guard yeah. who seems to have a big their bonnet about, well, things from a long time ago, shall we say. Uh, and they, they're not wielding power anymore. So that relationship has gone a lot easier. I have to say, on that subject, I'm sure you, you know, we talked about this. That the next battle with all this is is really just making sure, yeah, it's great the club's staying and it's going to be regeneration, new stadium, all that stuff. Just making sure it doesn't go too far, isn't it? I mean, we obviously they've got to stay there as part of the regeneration, but they've got to still be recognisably 
big hub that everyone loves and, and wants to see still. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the balance now, isn't it? And I'd be really interested to see how that goes. I totally agree, and I also believe that Renewal and Lewisham have pretty much pulled Millwall's bluff now and said, everything you wanted, we've done. Okay, we, we were a major, major, major part of that with AMS and obviously your help with getting in the papers and stuff like that and, and contacts and stuff. But I honestly believe now it's in Mill. If they don't go ahead with planning permission and, you know, planning stuff and actually drawing up plans, yeah, it's all right having pretty pictures, but we need to have concrete plans where we can look at models, etc., etc., etc. Um Okay, given the current situation, it's going to put a delay to that, possibly. But I think, I can't believe, honestly, that we've done, we've been doing this battle and talking all stuff, Lewisham Council and renewal and et cetera, et cetera, for six years now. Um, yeah. And it's been going on probably 15 years, if, if we're honest. What, 2006? So 14, 15 years, maybe near enough, 15 years. So I think it's now firmly in Millwall's call. The land sale agreement's been changed. They need to get a new lease agreement with Lewisham, which is feasible and, and doesn't rip the arse out of Millwall. Hopefully, they they still keep it fairly um, low rent like they have because of what it is. But it's down to Millwall now, isn't it? I mean, I... I... Well, yeah, and it's not just down... It's, I mean, when you say that, it's, you know, you know it's not an idea that people in the club you know, some really good people working in Canterbury. Steve Kavanagh is, is, is great. He, if every football league club was had a, a, a chief executive like that, uh, the football in a, in, a, in a lot better state than he is now. But it, it basically comes to the ownership. It comes down to you. You own Millwall. What do you want to do with it? You know, here you go. Here's your chance. And I think that's um, and I think that's one thing. What the lear- what the club learned over the whole battle was your names might be above the door as such but it's our club. And when we got involved, no one really was given a flying fuck about what the fans' views were. I mean, Andy Ambler, you know, good or bad, he is what he is. Um, he's never spoken to me. Um, he's never wanted to engage with AMS. He's never wanted to um, get on board or, or even listen to what our thoughts were. Uh, and yes, Steve coming in was good as gold. Uh, he, he actually listened and, and whatnot. Um I think there was a reason for that. I think it was sometimes that it's better to be able to um, quell the, the fight coming towards you, possibly. But, uh, you know, good or bad, he's, he's done some good things. He's done some bad things, I think, in my view. Um, but again, you know, you can't you can't always do the correct things. But I think what it's shown is that Millwall is our club, fans, um, and the fans will defend it to the hill. Uh, recent stuff with the media, obviously not including you in there, but those fans will, or those journalists will wish to slag us off. I think they've come unstuck, especially over the last few years where we won't take their lazy journalism on, you know, racism, thuggery, etc., etc. We, we're in 2020 now. We're not in 1970s. And Millwall weren't angels back then, but, you know, they're, they're nowhere near the level they are now to what they were then. Football violence is a, goes on across all clubs. Uh, on a weekly basis, probably on a daily basis. Racism within football, I don't think it's just football racism within the current world we live in. Blame Brexit, blame this, blame that, blame whatever you want, but it happens. And and, and everything else, I think why football still gets a blame is that 
football is a working class sport. Football was always traditionally that you'd work your nuts off Monday to Friday, you'll go to football on a Saturday, and you'll have an hour and a half, two hours of pretty much putting the world to rights. And and that's how it's always or always was and always been. Unfortunately, new generation, etc., you've suddenly got people, but it's not just the new generation what are, what are causing these problems. They're just people who, who deem it appropriate to say things at football what they'd never say in, a, in an office. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's an incredibly complex issue, and it's certainly the easiest take is to blame some people who have to wear the same colours and support the same team, but, you know, that, that, it's, um, unfortunately, it's, that's not how society works. You, you, could, you could cure every single person who's ever supported you or of every bad thought in their head, you're still going to have a very violent, racist society all around. You don't, just, you, don't, you don't walk into a football club and learn how to be a violent racist. Uh, you learn that in other places. No, that's it. And I, and I also strongly believe that, you know, um, a lot of people who go to football now aren't necessarily football fans of that team. So, you know, got, because of the rules of the FA with, um, I can't remember what rule it is, E55 or E something, I can't remember, E3 I think it is possibly, where, you know, failure to keep your fans in check during a game is, is, is the club's responsibility. I mean, Christ, if, if we go to a pop concert, you know, the pop concert isn't liable for people doing something stupid within that concert. I mean, I think football is very, very stuck in the past. Go that from, you know, not allowed to show 3pm kickoffs on the TV, not allowed, you know, all those sort of rules. Football's the only rule where you can be arrested for being drunk and the conditions on being drunk at football is literally unsteady on your feet and smell of alcohol. So in theory, you can have one pint of beer, stagger as you go to go in, and if you've got a copper who's a bit of a job's worth, he could pretty much arrest you and, and you know, you could be taken away and, and banned from football purely for that reason. So I think the whole laws need to have a look at Drinking in the stands, I think, needs to come back, possibly, because that will help footballs with revenue, etc., etc., etc. But again, you know, it, it's it, it's the way that football's treated. You can go to rugby and have completely different rules. You can go to cricket. It's very drink. It's very drink-fied. Rugby's the same. But you don't have those same issues. Uh, is it purely because football is a, I don't know, like a, a, a tribal mentality? I mean... In part, it's, you know, give a dog a bad name and, you know, everybody wants to blame someone else for everything that's gone wrong. And football's always been an easy whipping boy. But football's also, people go to football, like you say, often congregate there because they think it's just somewhere to go and behave badly. Uh, football does have a higher rate of problems and things like that. There's no doubt about it. Um, and like you say, a lot of these people are not what you'd call football fans necessarily or people you'd want to associate with your club. But it's often, I mean, it's something we know that's happened in, you know, at Millwall at times. People, people go somewhere believing they can behave a certain way that they wouldn't behave anywhere else. And it's got nothing to do with football or to do with their club, it's to do with them. Uh, and that is a problem. And I think that's a, that's a problem which we'll, we'll take on a wider debate. So look, uh, uh, we're, we've, I've taken up quite a bit of time, which I'm really grateful for. But I suppose the question is, what are you doing now then? Do you work? Do you, are you working on um, on made up results of games or 
writing fictitious <laughs> football endings, what will never in a million years end. I mean, I see you're getting involved in some interesting uh, Twitter debates about, you know, the fact that, you know, games shouldn't have gone ahead and can't believe it, you know, that manager scored that winning goal and stuff like that. I mean, what what what's happening for you? <laughs> but yeah, it's a really weird one. I mean, we're going to end up finding different ways to publish football content. Uh, but yeah, my life is going to games and watching and recording on them, all the fallout from uh, and it's just not there. I suppose the one upside is you can't be uh, consistently wrong as you used to before because nothing's happening. So uh, it's all fixed and whatever you say must be true. Um, but no, nobody really knows what to expect. Um, yeah, stand by for some space filling. Uh, uh, I'm sure we'll find creative ways to, to fill your newspaper. Will women's football, uh, if it's still going on, or, or the lower league football, if it's still going on, if any games, I, I know games are being shut down on a data basis, but some of the lower league stuff and like that, would would possibly newspapers now turn to that to a degree, or would it just literally be filling with... Uh, Ronaldo's brought a brand new car or something. Yeah, I'm afraid it's more likely to be transfer rumours and um, people will soon bore of uh, the politics of what's going on with the virus and the clubs. I think I think we'll run out of things to say until someone actually makes a decision. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to find a lot of gossip and tittle-tattle and sadly, yeah, a lot less focusing on what football is actually going on. Yeah, I can't stand Sky Sports at the minute, mate. Sky Sports is now what's coronavirus within football. I mean, that's okay for a day or two, but I can't see them filling three or four weeks or longer with that. No. I mean, looking at that, Sky Sports are possibly going to have to look at refunding people as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, I, don't, I don't really know... Um, I don't know how that works. Do you have a contract with them to provide sport on your TV? Well, you do if you, you have, have sports, contract. don't you? I mean, if you have sport, I mean, I suppose, realistic that they could end up doing reruns. They'd probably end up doing reruns of, you know, the best Premier League season or the best Premier League goals oh, yeah. or, I mean, or that. Or yeah, get, that people like you on. get people like you but on and assess old famous games, you know, like maybe Man yeah, United no. triple season, etc., etc. They'll fill it with some sort of stuff. I mean, what's certainly they're not going to get any new subscribers in the next few months. No. They can forget about that. Um, but... You're, you're, you can't cancel your contract because they're not showing the Premier League. I think your contract is just for them to provide you with these channels and, and give you whatever's going on. Uh, I, I wouldn't like to be in charge of Sky right now. I think it's just it's a hell of a time for them. I mean, how, how are they going to feel that? I mean, they've People lost... They need a sports channel. And they've lost a lot of stuff. Sports. I mean, they've lost wrestling, haven't they? The wrestling's now gone to BT. BT's got a lot more of the rugby. The Formula One's being cancelled. The football's being cancelled. Uh, the cricket, obviously, potentially is going to be cancelled. So, it's not looking good for Sky at the minute. No, if you go back to the start of Sky, uh, back in the early 90s, late 80s, they were hemorrhaging money. They were going to take down News International, they were going to take down The Sun, take down all of that, because they were losing so much money. Uh, the dishes, no one wanted them. Uh, they couldn't give away subscriptions. And the one thing that saved Murdoch and his whole empire was football. They got football, people started wanting to watch the Premier League, and that saved Sky. The whole thing is built, the survival of News and Session was built on that. They're obviously Sky are owned by Comcast now, yeah. an American company, but they're not going to take endless losses. Without football, the whole Sky operation does not work. Yeah. And uh, well, you just give me a good idea for the future here. And I think that that company, as we know it, 
maybe one of the things that bites the dust, to be honest. Really? That's serious? Well, as, as we know it, yeah. I mean, how how they get this one more than a crowd. They're owned by Comcast, which is some of the fourth biggest media company in the world. But they're American. They don't fuck about. They, um, you know, these people are all about profit. And, um, and I suppose adverts. I suppose most of their money yeah, is, a, is adverts, isn't it? Well, most of their money is subscriptions and adverts. They don't get any new subscriptions. A lot of things are going to cancel. They're going to make huge losses compared to where they want to be on the back of this. And, and the, the product just isn't there. They're all about football. Everything else is a loss leader. Cricket's a loss leader. Everything else is a loss leader. The addiction to football in this country is what sustains that, that whole idea of Sky Sports, which is only 20... I mean, I've, I've read somewhere that I think it's something like 47 million people watch football every weekend, whether that be listen to it on the radio, go to games, watch it on the telly, etc., etc. I mean, that is huge numbers what have got to do other things. I mean, there was loads of jokes this weekend, like, you know, oh, I've... I've, I've finally started talking to the missus, I didn't know this, and, you know, various jokes and everything else, but if it goes on longer than three weeks, I don't know what people are going to do. Everyone's, I think everyone's house, garden, cars, everything else is going to look very, very tidy. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really have no idea. It's the weirdest couple of days. Well, it looks like now well, you've I've got been... a story for, you've got a story about, um, about Sky, possibly. There, there's an angle there, and obviously what we were speaking yeah. about yesterday that gave some insight there. So, I mean, you know, I mean, the only brief thing before we end is there's there's talks, as we're talking about Sky now, there's talks about the rugby, the Six Nations possibly going behind a paywall. Do you think that's suicidal or do you think that would work? I mean, I'm speaking to a rugby guy later, hopefully, so. Well, it works in the short term because you've got, it's like cricket, you've got these people who will pay whatever to watch the game. They're devoted fans. Your next generation of devoted fans is not going to be as big as the last one. Uh, it's a way of cutting yourself off and start pulling up the ladder. You know, um, it's fine for now, <coughs> but, but what happens after that? So it'll work for the people in charge now. They'll see their revenues rise, they'll get a big TV rights deal, but 10 years from now, rugby will be finished. Because uh, if you played in certain schools, they're not here. No, that's it, and, and it's slowly but surely being stopped because of people getting hurt and whatnot. So, so to end the show, then, a couple of weeks ago, obviously, was the sad death of Carol, uh, Caroline Flat, and uh, and everyone's message then was be kind. This week, everyone's robbing the shelves and, and taking it away from everyone else with a real fuck you attitude, and it's all about me. Final thought from Barney Rune, then? Uh, the human race is not going to shit itself to death. You don't need to blow it up on, on toilet paper. And, and please go and help the person down the road who can't get out. The government's about to tell over 70 to stay in their home. Everyone needs to help people who can't go out and buy stuff because they're afraid of dying. So go and help your neighbour before you stuff up. That'd be my advice. Excellent bit of advice. And I think you're right there. I think that there, there seems to be a few lefty organisations coming about, you know, COVID-18 help groups and all this. I think the simple message is, look, if there is that 47 million football fans out there, then look, you know what? If each one of us or each family hold just look out for someone on your street who you know is 70, grab them some toilet roll, grab them some sandwich, you know, 
sanitizing or, or grab them some beans and soap and it's and look after them i think um we'll all be all right um and again just don't panic exactly football may come back it may not but the world is bigger than football yeah let's just try and be there when it does exactly there mate exactly there so thanks very much barney and uh and i'll speak to you again soon for the uh regen stuff where we can obviously get a bit more in depth in there and 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 now definitely we can uh, express our true views from there. So thanks again for giving up your time today, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. All right, take, take care. I'm longing for a moment when I shall see the happy laughing razor slashed faces of the people I love. Back home in Bermondsey In Colorado I want to be In Colorado Because the smuggled booze they've got is practically free And how I miss the swackle of the gasworks And the people I love I've so many childhood memories Of that quaint old-fashioned town There was a quaint old-fashioned schoolhouse Till the school kids burn it down. No. I'm off to Bermondsey. Gosh, oh gee, oh gee, oh gosh, I'd like to cosh that copper you see. Who sent away to Holloway and Brixton, all the people I love. But... Sounds just like Napoli. That's rough as well. That's home to me. It's rougher than I'm longing now. for the moment when I shall see. The happy laughing race the slashed faces of the people we love. Oh, come and see your Napoli, it's all the same to you and me, and that's where we would like to be as long as we can go and see the happy laughing race the slashed faces of the people we love. This summer, L.L. Bean invites you to simply step outside and enjoy the fresh air and sunshine. We'll be your guide with tips and advice to get more out of every moment outdoors. Here's a trick to estimate how much time you have left outside before the sun sets. Stretch out your arm and hold your hand sideways, palm facing up. Every finger between the horizon and the sun is 15 minutes of daylight. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. He feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.